Welcome back, friends. How are you? Have you missed us? God, I missed you. I really did. Uh, hey, we're back. We're back with a brand new season of your favorite podcast, or at least top 10. Let's say top 10 favorite podcasts. Terribly funny. I'm your host. I'm your best pal. I'm your wayward lover. I'm Steve Bazalone, and I, have, of course, am the host of this podcast where I talk to funny people about terrible things that have happened to them. In case you're just joining us for the first time, that's the concept. Um, what can I tell you, gang? Well, we've got a great, a, a whole new season of wonderful guests coming up, which we kick it off today with a brand new friend, the very, very talented director, Alethea Jones. What can I tell you about Alethea? Well, She's a, a new friend. I've never met her before. Um, but man, we have a lot of friends in common, and I really just enjoy talking with her. She's very charming and kind and insightful, and I hope we're new friends. Uh, I can also tell you that she's a, a very talented director. She's done a ton of shorts. Um, Overboard, Lemonade Stand, Dave's Dead. Go check them all out. Uh, you can find them online. Also, uh, just last week, her feature film debut, Fun Mom Dinner, just came out. Uh, it's in select theaters, and also you can see it uh, on online. Get into it. It's got a lot of great people in it. It's got uh, Tony Collette and Molly Shannon and and uh, uh, Paul Rudd and David Wayne and Adam Scott and Rob Hubel. It's a it's a it's a really great comedy. Go get it a look see. Um, but the what that led to is very exciting. She is directing the Barbie movie. Uh, that's in pre-production and that's very exciting. I'm excited to see what she does with it because she is a smart fucking talented lady um and today we're gonna hear some interesting stuff from her namely uh what it's like to lose a sister when you're in your early 20s Uh, fun stuff and how that sometimes leads to becoming a born-again christian for a while um you know that old story uh but it's a great chat and we're gonna get to that in just a second but before we do let me give you your vegetables here gang um hey do you like this podcast did you miss us do you want to engage further with this podcast well you can do so we're on social media we're on uh, instagram it's terribly under it's terribly funny podcast Yes, but on Twitter, it's terribly underscore funny. Uh, Also, go to our iTunes page. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Uh, uh, Tell your friends about us. Tweet about us. Uh, Also, uh, because we're back with a brand new season, I am going to uh, engage uh, with a bunch of emails that I I received over the last month and a half. Uh, All wonderful things. And I'm sorry I've been, uh, uh, it's taken me so long to get back to that, to respond to you. But uh, now that we're back, uh, I'm going to respond to the emails. And if you out there in the pod universe want to send me an email to say, hey, welcome back, or I love this episode, or hey, go fuck yourself, Steve, you can do that too. You can reach us at terriblyfunnypodcast at email. I genuinely love hearing from you. That's it. I'm done. I'm done hawking my goods. Now let's get to the good stuff. And the good stuff, of course, is Alethea Jones. Uh, theme music, please. Horse from America is fucking rad. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, what was your... What, did I just tell me like your trajectory, because I saw... You just did a, you did a bunch of shorts. Yeah. Because I'm interested in this just because I'm hopefully going to be going through the same same <laughs> waters that you just did. Yeah. Um, cool. How did you get to this? Okay. Um, well, I actually started out as an actor. Sure. And yeah, I did way uh, back in the day as well. Oh, there. This is there perfect. Is, yeah. So I mean, I mean, I just didn't have access to film equipment or even in my wildest dreams thought I would ever direct. So all I had access to were drama classes in the uh-huh. local community hall. And I flourished in those things. So I was like, yeah, I want to be an actor. Yeah. And I also was a choreographer. 
Oh, sure. I, we have these huge competitions in Australia mm-hmm. called Rock Estedfords. What's that again? Rock Estedford. And yeah, sure. Uh, Estedford apparently is a Welsh word. Uh-huh. Do you know, I learned that from Catherine Zeta-Jones. Because sure, I sense. just thought that Estedford was a German word. Don't you think it sounds German? Estedford? I mean, it does, it is, it does sound harsh. So, yeah. yeah, I guess that lines up with yeah. a Germanic language. And I was telling Catherine Zeta-Jones, I just love dropping her name a lot. No, of course. Nothing came of the meeting, so I feel like I can drop it Yeah, humbly. for sure. I can't drop that <laughs> name, so I'm jealous of your name drop. She didn't do my movie, so... That's fine. Um, but, uh, but when I said that, she's like, oh, I said what that is a Welsh word. <laughs> oh, boy. Do you like my bad Welsh accent? It's better than I got. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's a Welsh word. Okay. But we, there are these huge dance competitions where like a hundred kids on stage from each school battle it out and right. tell a story to music. And so from the age, of, it's nationally televised. It's very glamorous. Sure. And I was hooked. Like I would watch them on TV and like just wait that one day maybe I could be in a rock of Deadford. And mm-hmm. I rose through the ranks of my school and, and started choreographing theirs. Oh, wow. And even though I still wanted to be an actor, I kind of had this drive to help tell stories um, and I was poached by the local private high school to go and do their Rock of Steadfords. Oh, wow. It was a big, big money kind of thing. And, sure. Um, it's and like a, so, like yeah. a forensics kind of thing here. What? Like a forensic, like, um, it was, these were competitions, right? Yeah. Like there's like, uh, my high school had like forensics competitions. What? You know, the, it's like, it's basically like you, it was a, it's a weird thing where you will do a scene with somebody. Mm-hmm. I never did it because I just did theater, but you do like a scene with somebody and you stand back to back. So it's bizarre. So you like be acting the scene and say like, if I were to, I'm miming, handing you a Coke. Yeah. The person over here would grab it. Great. It's just very bizarre, but there's like huge competitions about like it's basically like theater, theater sports? sports, kind of, but it's like in within schools and it's like there's big, forensics. I just know. assumed maybe they would put teenage kids with like maybe a dead body and try and That's, figure out what happened. Honestly, that'd be I would be much more riveting. I would watch I would definitely that. Watch the fuck out of that. Imagine that in an arena. A bunch of fourteen year old kids trying yeah. to trying to figure out blood splatter. Yeah. Great. I'm in forensics. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did these Rocker Stedfords. And then, like, so they had this sort of choreographic kind of mind, mm-hmm. um, but went off to acting school, got a degree in acting, three years. And then, um, well, interestingly, mm-hmm. I don't know, if, do you know any of this story? No, I don't. <laughs> well, I don't know anything. I'm a dumb person. You're a saying. dumb idiot. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and, and then, so what happened was my sister died in a car accident. Oh, my. And well, this is the perfect place to be talking I about I know, this. that's why. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she, I was 21. Uh, this is 2001. And uh, so she died and I just didn't want to act anymore. And, hmm. and weirdly, I, a friend took me to church and I became a really intense born again Christian for two years. Wow. Almost to the day, two years of, of just intensive, immersive, hardcore Christianing. Okay. I loved it. Yeah? I loved it. Can, okay. A couple of things. Yeah. If you don't mind me interrupting. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't. So what, what made you, did it just feel like acting feel like a trifle after that? Did it feel it like... It felt like a trifle. Yeah. And, and I, I'm so careful in saying that because I have a lot of good friends that are actors that I deeply respect. But for me, it just... It, I actually... No, it didn't... 
now that I think about it, I became an introvert. Something mm. just knocked me, and I had done the Maya Briggs test. That's a big thing. I had done the Maya Briggs test and tested as an extrovert. Sure. And then after that, I just didn't feel as I felt raw. Mm. I felt like this wrecking ball had had just broken me, and I became much more empathetic or empathic, and and I could just feel things on my skin more. Like even just the noise of being in. A supermarket like I actually right. still don't go to Whole Foods yeah. <laughs> I can't well I think that's so so interesting for a bunch of reasons but I think um, because you say like became more empathic but mm-hmm. I feel like that aligns itself to acting which to good actors to, yeah to good actors but it's also the other side of it is like what are we doing playing fucking make em ups like right. this is, feels like small in comparison to when you're mourning something in such like a very real visceral way things did feel I I yeah, my perspective changed. Right. I didn't... Well, I guess maybe here's the thing. Uh, maybe my motives for being an actor were more to do with fame. Sure. And it's... I suddenly realized that I didn't need to be famous. Right. Um, and at the same time, I also wasn't really ever meant to be an actor. Right. I thought that that was all I had access to. And so I went to this church... And within two weeks of being invited to church, I was still, I hadn't really consciously stopped right. acting because my sister had just died. So this is a slow transition. This guy invites me to rehearsals for a church play mm-hmm. because I'm an actor. The church play has been cast. Sure. So I don't know why the fuck he wants me there, but I was, go. I'm sure it was like rent. It lots was, of very aidsy, lots of drug addiction. It was, yeah, there was a lot of swearing. No, sure. it was just like, and it was these, the scene where these three guys and it, they were in a bar. Mm-hmm. See, as an Australian, it would say bar. I'm sure. But um, and none of the guys were actors, and the scene wasn't working. It was terrible writing. The guy that was directing it was a, a like a personal trainer in like, so no one really wanted perfect to perfect fit for a director, right? Mm-hmm. And he turns to me during the rehearsal and says, "I don't know how to make the scene work." Mm. And I was sitting there. I'd never directed anything. And I knew how to fix it. I was watching it. I knew where they were going wrong. And I, I walked up to the top of the stage in the auditorium and I started doing Laban work with mm. the actors. Do you know what that is? I don't. It's like, or you might say Laban or Laban, oh, okay. right? Sure. Yeah. So it's the physicality. Yeah. It's like, are you heavy or light? Right. Are you fast or slow? Liquid are you direct or, or yeah, indirect? Yeah, yeah. Right. And, and based on all of those variables. And I also, at the same time, did animal work. So mm-hmm. there were three personalities in the scene and there was a grumpy guy. So I'm like, why don't you think of a grizzly bear? So right. they're heavy and they're indirect and they're slow. Mm-hmm. And then the other guy was meant to be the spontaneous one. And I'm like, be a puppy. They're fast and, and indirect and light. Mm-hmm. And the middle guy was the straight guy. So I'm like, you be a lion, be a young lion. They're direct, they're sustained and they're heavy. And the scene worked because mm. I couldn't do actions or objection ob- objectives with them right. or subject that they weren't actors so the scene worked and the director slowly exited the process and i ended up directing the whole play oh wow and over that two-year period i um started running they gave they i did all their plays and the plays that i would do were would have swearing in them sure. and i sort of became this sort of weapon for the pastor that people would bring their non-christian friends and he would do an altar call at the end oh wow and, like 
people you, felt you were like safe. The, you were the gateway into I was a gateway. Yeah. Yeah, because they were people were like bringing their non-Christian friends and look at this cool play look with, how hip it is. with swearing. I remember when I was like 11 or 12, my mom, who was never religious, but she started going for a brief time to a, a non-denominational Christian church. Uh-huh. And they like had like a rock band. Yeah. And played like hymns. We had I think, rock. I think that was like the idea. Like, we're, look how fucking hip we are. Yeah. Moving, we're, moving we're cool, with the Jesus. Times. Yeah. That's I what you loved were. it. They you were, were cool. Rock Everyone was a fashion set. Yeah. Uh, it was cool. Um, and so, and then they, I made my first short film there, and oh, and wow. then suddenly I, in my second year of being a full-on born-again Christian, I was like, okay, I've made this decision to be. Um, I've made this decision based on emotions. Now I want to study, so I went to Bible college. Oh boy! Right, I Wait, wanted to know. Here's a question for you. Okay, so it sounds like that was your entree was like getting into this auditorium, this theater. Yeah. So, how much of it was like were you actually legitimately into the Christian side of it, and how uh-huh. much was it just you were discovering a love of yours for doing another facet of theater? Yes, and by the way, there's a third thing there too, mm-hmm. which is is a sense of community and family, like, and and also distraction from like probably just drowning. It. I wouldn't say there was distraction because I nope. focused a lot on he- I healed a lot there. Really? So I really cried. I wept mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of weeping during church services and people praying for me. It was mm-hmm. actually a very beautiful space. Hmm. Um, yeah, it was a mixture. Absolutely finding my calling, right. ironically, as a director in that space and, and having that playground and having a sense of purpose when I had just moved to Sydney to pursue act, I moved to Sydney and two weeks later my sister died. Jesus. And so I didn't know many people. I didn't, I didn't have roots in Sydney. Right. I had trained in Queensland, which is, you know, um, a, a 16 hour drive right. from Sydney. Like, so yeah, there was definitely community and, but it was healing. Like yeah. I, I always searched spiritually and, and, and my mum is, an absolute space cadet and, and really open-minded, too open-minded. Mm. So I was raised with with that kind of weird spiritual talk Did as you, a child. This is jumping ahead, but are you still are you still religious in some capacity? I'm I am spiritual. Okay. But I love you know, Carl Sagan is probably the greatest teacher to right. me. I love yeah. science. But I think that and I love string theory and sure. I think that I love the idea of science coming full circle with spirituality. That's that's where I'm at at the moment. Yeah. I, th- I think it's, it's such an interesting crossroads because yeah. well, the things you're talking about that are so uh, beautiful about religion, I think, by and large, yes. just like the sense of community and the sense of like empathy and like just being having a safety net. Right? Healing. It yeah. was so healing. I've got. Yeah. I I saw some really special things. I, I I left in the end. It was a whole culmination of things, but um, I did end up leaving because it was this twin thing of my spiritual track. I I kept asking about homosexuality Mm -hmm. and hell and heaven and I couldn't, I have, I have gay friends Yeah. and I I can never judge. And I really love all religions. So for one religion to say they're the only way, it's really, to me, it's really dumb. Yeah, well, that's... that's no one I, could answer me. Yeah. No, no one gave me decent answers. Would they skirt around it? Yes. Or, yeah. And, they're and like, well, let's just not focus on that. The best answer was that's just between them and God. They're like, I totally hear you, Alethea. Mm-hmm. It's not my place, and I don't judge them. It's between them and God. And I'm like, you're judging them. Yeah, because you're saying, all right, well, whatever, if he's all right with it, but me... 
right? Yeah. Or I'm all right with it, but him. Like, yeah. that's the bigger issue. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, my pastor, um, he... He, made, he got me to do a trilogy. It was a Christmas trilogy. Mm-hmm. And every year the plays were so successful. We'd do three plays a year. And by the end, he was like, Alethea, my vision is a trilogy. I want a full-length play each week for three weeks, a different play. And I had about 250 people involved, and I burnt out. That's and a, so at that's the, I left. Much. My mum came down for the last two plays oh. to watch, and I all those answers were swirling around and they were really milking me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I burnt out and I got up that morning. I didn't say goodbye to anyone. I just said to my mum, I want to go home now. And I went home with her and I never went back. I emailed them and called them and, and it, we, you know, I'm still friends with some right. of them, but a lot of them stopped being friends with me. Just because? Because I was backslidden and I had left the church, but I still view it as a special time. Yeah, well, I mean, a hundred percent, it got you through something that yeah. is. I can't, I can't wrap my mind around that. Were you close with your sister? Very. Yeah, I mean, you're in. How old were you? I was twenty-one, so it was a very you're, formative you're kind a of baby. You're still like wet clay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So that's a hard thing. I mean, that's so interesting. Like for someone, uh, for a community to be like so supportive and so welcoming, and then, and then when, shut you out. Yeah, it feels like a little bit. I mean, not more than a little bit, but like uh, quite a bit uh, hypocritical. I, yeah, yeah, it is. But they have to take a hard party line, like a hard mm. stance. Like, and I remember being on the inside of that and viewing my friends with that weren't Christian with compassion and praying for their souls. And, right. But I've got to say that I do have favorite Christians who really live like Jesus. Like they sure. live on those principles and we're still very close and I and I think they're some of the best humans I've met and I think every religion you'll find the the most beautiful examples of people that are living with an yeah. open heart and with really progressive beliefs and you know like yeah I, I agree I mean I look I am not a religious person but I fully understand the need for it and the want for it mm-hmm. I think and in the purest form it's very beautiful because it's mostly about like hope and community yeah um and I think that's all great. My only thing is just like, don't be didactic or don't Correct. Like, don't say that what I'm doing is wrong. Ugh. Like, I'm not saying what you're doing is wrong. I maybe don't agree with a lot of it, but if in distilling it down to its essence, it's beautiful. Yeah. As long as it doesn't become like a reason for a wedge between people. Yeah. You said, you mentioned that you went after you left. Is that when you went to Bible college? Oh no. So yeah, I jumped forward, but for my second year of being a Christian, I did decide to do Bible college uh, because I'd made such an emotional decision and they were like, well, there's three strands that you can major. You can major in one of three strands, one strand being leadership, mm-hmm. uh, where a lot of pastors, people that want to be a pastor, pastor, mm-hmm. pat, pat, I don't know. Sure. I like uh, everything you're saying. And the second one was worship, mm-hmm. if you're a musician, and the third one was um was media mm-hmm. and they were like given that you're directing now and I was running the media section at church by now right. I had 20 camera people under me Jesus, that I was in charge of church. it was a big operate it was wow. a huge sting and um, they were like you probably want to do media and I'm like there is no fucking way I'm doing media at a bible college I'll do leadership thank you very much right. and I learnt so much really I loved it they taught me like they taught us to lead through service. Mm. 
and you know, like that idea of Jesus washing his disciples feet and things like that. And, and it made so much sense to me. And so flash forward to two years later, when I actually went to film school, uh, I feel like I learned more in that leadership year at Bible college than I really, it was more invaluable to me. I've gotten more work and repeat work from the way that I direct and empower and lead through service and come from underneath. Mm -hmm. Then I, than the technical stuff I learned at film school. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, because it's all like applicable skills of just like uh, washing somebody's feet. It's like, oh fuck, that's a good person. Right. I guess I should. Well, I, I want to. I want to follow this person. I tr- yeah. I trust it, them. There's a there's trust here in some I, capacity. Uh, yeah, and um, you know, there's that saying that um, people don't remember what you did; they remember how they felt around you. Right. Like. Yeah, so I always, I do, it's sometimes like even on fun mum dinner, mm-hmm. uh, some people would mistake my service and gentleness for weakness or a lack of intelligence. Right. And, you know, maybe it's my acting skills or whatever, but I would just quickly just be the direct, like be, I'd clip them around the ears a bit and just sort of toughen, toughen up for them and put them in place. Mm-hmm. And they'd slowly come around to my style of being gentle and serving. Sure. But I've gotten beautiful results from just creating a more harmonious service. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what everybody's going to do their best work. Right. That's how I work. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole reason you do all this is for autonomy, right? So make it fun. Yeah. Um, Do you think because of the way you kind of came discovered this like vocation mm-hmm. <laughs> that came out of like such a time of uh, tumult yes is is all of this like forever more like kind of linked to your sister do you feel like there's like a a direct a kind of path like this is a, I don't know totally a way of like continuing uh, without being cheesy like continuing a legacy for her to some degree yeah um yeah it, it has always... That's such a great question and a great correlation. It has sprung from a deeply special space, for sure, because mm-hmm. of that. I feel like the foundations are very pure. And, and um, yeah, I, I do connect it to that. I've never yeah. thought about that before. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I... Um there's a bunch of things I lost my mom like two and a half years ago. Oh, wow. Um, which, you know, it's one of those things. I'm so sorry. I, oh, I get it's, it. It's one of those things where uh, it's bound to happen. Yeah. And I'm not young and young anymore where like, you know, people lose their parents when they're 10. Mm-hmm. But it's still like it's always earlier than you expect it to be. Um, but it's interesting the things that I've made correlations with. Mm-hmm. Just... Um, I think I've told the story before, but there's anytime I see a feather, it's like, it's like just linked to her because of something that one of her friends said. Oh, wow. There's like, there's a dozen other things like that where it's just, uh, and only like as time goes on, do I receive more of those correlations. I love Um, it. So it's interesting, like how that kind of mourning process is fluid. It is. And just kind of, it's almost like its own living thing. Yeah. Weirdly. If, If I think, yeah, I certainly feel that way too. And, and I think we're, we're lucky to, to yeah. view it that way because I do see people harden and not want to talk about it. I, I yeah. remember actually making a very conscious decision when, you know, a day after she died um, and just going, I've got to do this well. Like, and by that, I mean, do yeah. it messy and, and open and, and be as emotional as I 
want to be or need to be um, rather than try and get my shit together. Right. I kind of had a very conscious feeling that I needed to let it run its course. That's an incredibly emotionally mature thing for a 21-year-old to think because I think it's, I mean, I don't know, I look back at myself at 21 and like right. there's a lot of things I'm like, well, I'm kind of fucking really the same, but then a lot of other ways like, no, no. Mm-hmm. I was a dumb, a dumb idiot. I was back a then. dumb idiot. Um, but that's really. I don't know where. That's yeah. a lot of force, uh, a lot of foresight for you. It's also incredibly selfish. Like, it's well, like I don't, yeah, I don't want to fucking dwell on this forever. So the only way is to just roll up my sleeves and really do it. And I still feel like I'm doing it. By yeah. the way, like. Yeah, but seventeen that, years later. I don't know if that's selfish though, because it's like you're it's being ironic. kind to yourself. Yeah, but um, I think I did like a little bit. Like I like there's certain ways like I like to lean into the sadness. Mm-hmm. Like the I've told this story before, but like the uh, the day after my mom, there's two different services, and the oh, day wow. after I went because she was you know up where she lived and then where she grew up, um, and on Christmas Eve. I went to between the span that between I went to like a, a ten o'clock screening of Wild, the Reese Witherspoon movie, Love which is that which movie. is great. But it was nobody else in the theater. I just snuck in a bunch of booze, and I knew it was like all about like cancer mom, and I was going through a divorce. It was like cancer mom and divorce, and I yeah. went and just fucking cried my eyes out. I tell a lot of people that like, why would you do that? And I was like, because I just fucking want, I want to lean in, like, yeah. like just get it out, like yeah. just get into this as opposed to. But then I do that, and then sometimes like, well, I run. I want to run away from things. Don't, don't you think? For me, what I realized mm-hmm. about it is that death is the most horrific and divinely beautiful thing, and it's the twin existence of the experience of grief and death. Like, it's both. Yeah. Like, and it's something. Death is actually a theme that I've been pretty obsessed with mm-hmm. since. Uh, since my sister died, and and I will always be Imagine. drawn to films that deal with with it. I think it's beautiful. Yeah, and it's also it's uh, to what we've been talking about. Like it, it kind of it does evolve. It's not just like uh, well, six months and now I feel fine. Again. Right. Um, I think I made that mistake, and then I was like, well, I should be fine now, and then was just depressed because why don't I feel good? Yeah. Um, but I also think there is something kind of really beautiful about it because it's so universal mm-hmm. like, it's, it's inevitable inevitable we're all it's all coming for all of us and when you have to like look down that boy like no this is a bummer and scary mm-hmm. and then you maybe sometimes turn to things that a sense of community or a sense yeah. of like here is an, ex- here's an answer an answer yeah yeah um, but it's also interesting i think uh, uh you feel so alive in those moments yes but that's because, what it's beautiful yeah. like yeah like i where are we told that it, crying can feel great like yeah it's catharsis especially afterwards the ecstasy Mm -hmm. that you feel once it's out it's like i think the body's really special really clever yeah (laughs) that you actually feel really i feel really high after i've cried yeah because what there is no like maybe i'm getting this wrong but there's not like a real medical reason for crying yeah like there is for tears to like clean your eyes yeah but there's not like for there's not like a medical reason really like it doesn't i reckon it must be a, a an endorphin rush 
Yeah, and I think also it's probably like a, an, I don't know, an intellectual way of rebooting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like letting everything go because you get so tense. You feel so much better after. Yeah, it's kind of like emotionally vomiting. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen somebody oh my God, yeah. shirtless vomit? Like you can see like every muscle oh, kind of because yeah. it's like your body is just working get so hard to get out. this shit out. How good is the body? Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird. Um, so then you went from Bible school mm-hmm. to film school. Yeah. And did you take it when you, le- oh, sorry, I'm going to go back. When you left the church, Yeah. did that, was that a, another stage in kind of getting over this thing? Because you just went from immediately from sister died to like such an onslaught of a brand new world. Yes. Like it's like, talk about a hero's journey. It's like, well, that happened and now I'm in a special My world. wilderness yeah. experience. Yeah. So here's what happened. It's pretty funny. I, um, I left and I moved back home with my parents Mm -hmm. into the country for a year and I put all this weight on and I joined welfare Mm -hmm. and um, halfway through the year my old drama teacher in this little tiny country town she actually had this she she had this huge theatre company that toured nationally toured children's shows and I choreographed a lot of her shows for her on and off throughout the years Mm -hmm. because I kept up my choreography and she said, look, we've just lost one of our performers. Do you want to jump on the road for three months and do one of our shows? Hmm. And I did it. And that kind of woke me up. And then after that, I got a job at my old university where I choreographed and directed. They were doing Hamlet in the Park. Sure. Uh, the third year students. And they gave me a job. They wanted to do a community performance for half an hour before each performance of Hamlet, a different half hour performance wait they want to do a half an hour show before a three hour show correct what the fuck right how long are they expecting people even... to sit in the park it was unbearable oh boy um, actually it was it was a great show mm-hmm. so half an hour 23 minutes like sure. of, and they put this call out and it's a really big sort of inland city and they they said we're not going to turn anyone away uh, and anyone can be in it there won't oh. be auditions and I was in charge of that. That was my baby. And I had to write six different half-hour shows that were themes from Hamlet. And I had 600 performers. So I had 100 people in each and show. you're still like 23 or 24 at this point, right? Correct. I was oh. about 24. Oh. And, um, and I loved it. And I had like all the high schools joined. Uh, there was a medieval reenactment society, a whip crack, a little child who was a whip cracker. Sure. There was a karate club, you name it. Like we had belly dancers, line dancers. Oh, wow. And, um, and it was beautiful. It was like a little mini opening Olympic ceremony each hmm. time and it worked. And then um, I was sort of getting really bedded down into this rural city. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was thinking about taking a job there and, right. and teaching um, and a, oh, there was a big hotshot sort of soap opera director coming to work with the third year students and the opportunity was for me to be his assistant director hmm. in this town and it was a big break I thought it was a big break for me of course. the other opportunity I had was that my old church a guy from my, uh, one of the good Christians sure. who was still in touch with me invited me to teach acting at a community college so they were my two big breaks. Do I stay and mm-hmm. be an assistant director to this dude in rural Australia or do I go and teach acting for screen at a community college? And I went... Which you've done a ton of acting for the screen, clearly. Right. Yeah, after all your time in the church. All my and, time in the church. In theater. Yeah. I was yeah. not positioned to do it. And I taught 
this is going to sound really trippy, but it worked. I was, I was, I saw a psychic woman mm, right. and she said, why aren't you telling me about the third option? Oh. And I'm like, there is no third option. I'm just trying to figure out what I do here. And she said, and I, by the way, I've never been to Melbourne at this mm. stage. Right. Uh, and she said, there's a, an institution in Melbourne and you, uh, they'll take you and they'll employ you later. And, um, why you, that's the one you've got to choose. She said this ap- apropos of nothing. Apropos of motherfucking nothing. Wow. And you know what? There was an institution that I had the pamphlet at home and I didn't think I was good enough to go. And I decided that I would try in a few more years. Holy shit. Did that you, you should go school. see this woman all the time? Yeah, I do. I did. Yeah? She's retired. No, come on. She, Come out of yeah. Retirement. But finally, okay, going back, mm-hmm. this is kooky. Like, going back, when I was in high school, I saw her too. My mum, my space cadet mum, took sure. me to this woman when I was in high school. And she's like, What do you want to do with your career? And I said, I'm going to be an actress. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be in Neighbours. And I'd probably go to NIDA, which mm-hmm. was this cool acting school in Australia. Sure. And she said, You're going to be a director. And well, I, I forgot that. all oh, no, the, she the, said the, it. The, the psychic, psychic said, it. said it. Oh, wow. She said, no, you're not. You're going to be a director. Hmm. And I forgot about that. I went to acting school for three years. My sister died. I went to church and I started directing through that. And I only remembered when I saw her all those years later. She said, you're going to go to Melbourne and do this school, um, film school. And I got in. I didn't think I'd get in. It's a really prestigious film school. So I, I went and I, I got into that. And that's when I went to film school. Oh, wow. That, was there something to that when she said that or when you remembered that, that it like, there's a little bit of like a, a light bulb, not a light bulb going on, but just a little bit like, uh, oh, you, you see that? You see that for Sure. Me? And I wanted her to see it. Yeah. I, and I swear I, I didn't, I'd never been to Melbourne. I didn't talk about Melbourne with her. Wow. Like, That's fast. There's another big institution in Sydney that's even bigger. Like, I, I don't know why she picked the Melbourne one, but I had the pamphlet for the Melbourne one at home. Okay, well then I think this leads to another question of um, that kind of I think plays into faith. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a couple like fortuitous things that you've that have happened in the, in your life and the the, way, the stories you've told me here. Know, right? Like how much do you buy into things happening for a reason? I know I, I'm baff. I don't anymore. I don't know. Well, that's why I've sort of started to rely on science. Right. That's that's the purest most truthful thing we know yeah science and with that i i buy into the fact that we don't know everything for sure that's all i can say like yeah and also when you break it everything down to its basis or most base thing we're all just energy right and like how amorphous is that and what what does shape that mean? can that take on yeah so i i, I do think there's something pretty powerful and the core of the universe I don't know like it, it's so beautiful then it's such a head fuck yeah um yeah yeah I mean like I like to think that I'm like very pragmatic and very logical uh I don't know much about string theory as you do but uh but much. then there's but then there's still a part of me that's like fuck I there is a time where like I feel like it goes against like the pragmatic part of me but like yeah I think sometimes things do happen for a reason yeah and maybe that's just assigning silly value to things or a way of much like religion like giving answers or having a sense of hope so that it's just not all fucking cold and meaningless but it's nice it's nice it's, to feel that way it's nice to feel that way There's, there are a lot of coincidences and if you know we love recognizing patterns that's sure. what our brain is set up to do to keep us safe yeah um 
Yeah, I think I am pretty open. Like we were joking. I was walking along with my friend Kitty, mm-hmm. um, who went to film school with me, and she mm-hmm. just actually made casting Jean Benet. Have you seen? That? No, I haven't heard great things. Right, so she yeah. made that, and she was in town for that, and we were taking photos of all of her billboards around town. That's cool. And um, we and she's like, "Can we go to the Scientology building?" And we were joking because mm-hmm. my boyfriend and Kitty and I were walking by the Scientology building, and she's like, "Do you want to go in?" And I joked, but it was earnest. I'm like, "I don't think I should go in because I reckon I'm a prime candidate sure. for Scientology." Yeah. And it was a joke, and it was funny, but there is part of me that I, I'm totally at risk yeah. of joining a cult or being a born again Christian for two years. Like that's just I have this willingness to to believe well that also feels like that just like an earnestness yeah that is kind of very nice oh that's nice of you right yeah I, I mean and that's why I like contact so when you right. go back and watch contact right. again <laughs> um, this is a little bit of tangent here but uh, just something that I've often thought about because when I've had um, f- friends or acquaintances who have died in other capacities mm-hmm. and I know like seeing the ripple effect of what their relationship is to the way that they die uh, it was there wow were cars a weird thing for you for a while yeah I drive really recklessly and I'm yeah. always surprised when I caught when I catch and still catch myself driving recklessly hmm. I was a really dangerous driver um, do after that, do it do you think that was purely subconscious and if so like what need was that I don't know I don't know um, was it, it was subconscious I would just catch myself going your sister has died yeah. in a car accident you're making stupid decisions hmm. I think it's to do with probably not loving myself or you know not ex- or just like a strong sense of guilt I don't know yeah yeah for being the survivor for right. being still alive you know is that a thing I mean I it's a different one like a parent goes because like well that's the natural order of things yeah but when it's a peer and it's your sister and somebody close with it, imagine that's a thing that plays on a loop our whole family fell apart yeah like my parents were already divorced but my sister was the strong one because my mother was really checked out right when growing up she was the one she was the alpha she kept us together she Mm -hmm. taught me to tie my shoelaces and read the clock um i would take my boyfriends i'd be more interested in what she said about my boyfriends than meeting my mom like and so she went and mum really wasn't there for me mum was grieving and my brother is just the most beautiful strange artist like um he was on his own trip and my mum went more and more into a wormhole of uh, spirituality and, mm. and hiding in that. And I guess I did that for two years yeah. too, but I just, she still, she thinks that my sister talks to her. So mm. that's really tough to process. That is. Is there like a part of you that sometimes is like, uh, I mean, my reaction to that is many things. One, it's like, uh oh. And the mm-hmm. other one is like, Maybe. And also, well, yeah. Maybe, yeah. And also, like, I don't know, is there a certain thing, like, are you manifesting something? Or, like, what we were talking about earlier, like, we're all just fucking energy. Maybe. When maybe. It's, once it's created, it doesn't cease to exist. Yeah. And it's, also, if it's something that brings her peace. Exactly. It's yeah. it's a really, and, and you know, what I've, what I've rested at, my resting mm-hmm. place on it is, that's just... I hope it's right. I hope right. my mum's right. It, it brings her peace. Yeah. Uh, she had a really tough life before that and you know like I, I was talking through it with someone uh, mum goes to re- mum is a really big conspiracy theorist um, 
and it's I think you know she was my friend diagnosed her with catastrophic anxiety disorder Mm. which is when you've had a lot of trauma in your life it is it serves you to rush to the biggest problem yeah the biggest catastrophe and you can label it and then you know it's there like if you can she's quantifying everything as a catastrophe because then it's she can control it and go that's happening that's doing that you know, yeah. a, a big meteor is going to come and wipe out the east coast it's of australia a way of protecting yourself right correct she's keeping it all in check she has I, control I imagine when you're blindsided by correct searing like loss yes then you just need to like well i have to be prepared for anything yeah right and she is wow um and it's tough so yeah because that's kind of she's earned it right? it's, it's exhausting for her i keep saying that to her i'm like mm-hmm. aren't you but she's sort of cruising through it. Oh. <laughs> it's um... yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, my um, my my mother was from a family of nine, and she was the oldest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they she lost her uh, second youngest brother when he was um, I think it was like on the eve of his eighteenth birthday. Um, and I don't know. I mean, it's like a big family, so it's like there's so many people. But I just don't know how. Talking to my grandmother when she was around, like, how do you deal with that? Yeah. But I think it was... Outliving your own child. Yeah. A different period and then seeing like how much they're reflected in all the rest of your kids. It's got to be a real mindfuck. How death... Yeah, I mean, again, just... Yeah, death... How we engage with it and how we grieve and what it does to the people that are left behind. It's it's intriguing. Mm -hmm. It's also like the... um, I remember reading a book when I was like in... Uh, fifth grade or something it was like a required reading called like Is You Willy Nilly or something and it's all about it's a young adult book but mm-hmm. it was all about a girl who gets in a car accident and loses her leg oh. and a lot of it was talking about and I skimmed it because I was a bad student or I was a bad <laughs> reader but the things that were really interesting was like the phantom limb sensation yes I'm just like feeling waking up and feeling like your leg is still there but it's like the same thing wow it, it, less tangibly but with you know a person because like well they're still there mm-hmm. they still can want to pick up the phone yeah. still want to have this need to yeah. process with somebody who's been like an appendage for so long yeah yeah do you have siblings no it's just me and that, honestly that was also the first time uh, the first time when my mom was sick it was the first time I was like oh it'd be nice to have another one of me because previously people, people were always like don't you wish you you were yeah. lonely and I was like I have no context this is yeah. it's what I knew yeah. so it was fine and it's the first time for me yeah. it, when my sister died I was like oh lucky there's a spare like mm-hmm. I actually was thinking that like three's good like you yeah. lose one at least you've still got two left or yeah. at least I have my brother like yeah it, it's weird how you think that weird stuff yeah right the numbers thinking yeah um, I think a thing I like to ask everybody, and it's a very amorphous question, but like, what advice would you have for anybody else going through, having gone through, or in the past, or is still dealing with it, and going mm-hmm. through like a, a a loss at a young age, or even just a sibling, like in processing that, and like, how do you is is church yeah. the answer for everybody? <laughs> no, yeah. uh, it was fun though. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah you know can I give some advice to people that are friends of people going sure, through it sure That's, had, that is a good that is a yeah, good perspective because we're yeah. all going to be friends to mm-hmm. someone who goes through it I, I the best thing that happened to me the things I remember when I was in my despair 
there were two things, two, two really key moments. One of my closest friends said to me, um, she said, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say, so I'm just going to sit here. And we would sit on the phone in silence and I'd just yeah. weep. And it's even just that, like, it's funny, I haven't cried about this for so long, but I feel emotional talking about that. So that was really special. Yeah. And, and she also said, I know your sister's coming up for you a lot. So she's like, would you share with me every time she came into your mind? And mm-hmm. I said, I'm going to be sharing it a lot. And she goes, good. And I felt very safe. Yeah. To say, oh, Matina would do this. That's my sister's name. Like she, oh, I just thought of Matina or that, that woman looks like Matina over there in the, in the distance. And I like looking at her cause her face, she's not facing me, but I can pretend it's her. Right. So it's things like that. So that friend that sort of empowered me to share because you feel alone. You don't want to be the downer. You don't want to be the one that's yeah. like, I'm thinking of her again. So you keep it to yourself. And then suddenly you're experiencing alienation. Yeah. So I loved that. So someone, so empower your friends that are going through grief and, and, and liberate them to share. And the other, there was another girl that I didn't know very well. And she just reached across and, and everyone like was from a small town. So when I went home for the funeral, people would just stare at me and they didn't know what to say because they're making it about themselves. So no one would talk to me. And she came through the crowd. I was at a, a bar. She came through the crowd and she grabbed me by the hand and she said, I'm so sorry about your sister. Mm. And I didn't know her well, and I just adore her now, and I'm just about to do my first studio movie. And I like wrote her, and I'm like, I'm cast her in my movie. Like, she's an actor, and yeah. I mean, it's maybe it's nepotism, I just adore her, but like, no, but I that, love her. That I mean, I think that level of sincerity, and also... Yeah, she reached, she literally reached through the chasm. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's also, people don't know what to say, like, what's your first friend? I think, but also from your perspective of giving advice to a friend because I feel like you uh, when you're the one going through it you give yourself like a statute of limitations like, yes I'm allowed to I'm allowed to feel sad about this in publicly for a while and afterwards I gotta just act like it's okay yeah um, so when somebody gives you the permission to be like that's fine you can take as long as you want it's like oh oh right thank you yeah I also think that there's um, this is probably not the best way to phrase it but there's like a sexiness too of like I was, I was sick for a very long time and mm-hmm. I was in the hospital for uh, like four, four months. Wow. Um, and it was like I, I had a big surgery, I had my colon removed and it, initially when I was in the hospital like a bunch of people showed up. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, everybody goes back to their life. Uh, and it's, it was the people that I was really touched by who like rem- would continually check in and remember like, oh right, just because it's, it's not new to me doesn't mean you're not still going through it that's really special and i think that's the same thing of being like tell me whenever you're feeling this yeah because i know it's happening for you all the time yeah and and she she labored it (laughs) she labored the point (laughs) because you can say tell me and then i'm still not gonna really tell you right and she's like no seriously yeah no i'm saying it's okay please yeah they're giving you permission and that was that's that's the advice i'd give that's great advice yeah yeah, because I, yeah, I think that is good advice. Uh, more often than not, we're the people that are helping the people. Mm-hmm. Right? That's who needs the help. Because yeah. yeah, the 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 people that it's happening to, they they're just going through it. Yeah, you're just trying to stay afloat. Mm-hmm. Huh. Hmm. Um, well, I think that's really lovely. I think it was a very nice chat. Thank you um, for chatting with me. Yeah, man. This has I been think healthy. everybody should go see your movie. <laughs> My big, broad, Your punchy picture, comedy. Yeah. yeah. There's a ton of, <laughs> ton of death in that, right? <laughs> All around. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, man. Thank
Thank you. I really appreciate it. It was really Yes. Yes, a formal handshake. Come on. I mean, how was that? Talk about an episode, a first episode back from a break. Alethea Jones, everybody. She's delightful. And man, I hope she's a new friend because that was uh, a great chat. Um, do yourself a favor. Go check out Fun Mom Dinner. It's in select theaters. Support this lady. She's talented. There's also a shit ton of talented people in it. So go check it out. Also, you can check her out on various social media platforms. On Twitter, she's at Alethea Jones. That's at A-L-E-T-H-E-A. Jones. She's the same on Instagram and just uh, get into this lady's career. I think she's gonna do amazing things and I'm excited for the Barbie movie. Uh, and, you know, that's it, gang. I'm, I'm excited to be back. We've got some great episodes coming up. I think you're gonna love a lot of these chats. And we'll be back next week. Uh, before I bid you adieu, though, allow me to say special thank yous to Alethea. Uh, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Also, thank you to Hayden Fongheiser for doing everything behind the scenes. And thank you to Kingdom Flying Club and Julia Pot for doing art and music. Uh, that's it, gang. I hope you have a great week. I love you, and you're all very, very attractive. Bye.